0: Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. Glad that you've joined with us here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. For those of you uh, I may not know, my name's Todd. Really glad that you're with us today, and I want to thank all of you my kids included who participated in that video that you just saw and later this afternoon that video by itself uh, will be up on Facebook and so you can check that out uh, without you know me here okay so you can uh, hear them so which is great so uh, I'm really glad that you guys have chosen to be with us and I got to tell you there is no greater calling than being a mom and raising kids in this very difficult world, in this very difficult generation, in this very difficult time in human history, especially. And I want to thank all of you who are moms and who serve in the capacity uh, and the role of a mom. And it does not uh, go unnoticed this time of year on these days, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Those of you who have lost a mom like I have back in 2015, uh, those of you who may not be able to be with your mom, and maybe even during coronavirus, your mom may be stuck in a nursing home that you can't visit her or somewhere else where you can't see her. And it doesn't go unnoticed, Uh, it doesn't get lost on me that this time of year, these days are difficult For some of you, for some of you, it's a time of celebrating, and I hope you can. And we will celebrate my mom uh, today, even though she's not with us any longer. We'll celebrate Cynthia's mom, Sandra. uh, Later today, we'll celebrate my wife and the mom of my kids. We've been married 25 years this summer, and we will celebrate her. She's an amazing mom and wife. Um, But for some of you, this is a difficult day. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you, and I'm thinking about you. And I want you to know that um, wherever you have come from in terms of your, your mom in your life, uh, the mother figure in your life, um, if there are gaps, God can fill them. He can fill them in amazing ways. Today is part four of our series that we've been in since Easter. It's part four of After Effects. The 40 to 50 days after Jesus' resurrection were life-changing. They were humanity-changing. They changed the mission of the gospel. Well, it changed the way that the gospel was spread. It was radically important those days after Jesus rose again from the dead. So important that God decided that he would send Jesus back to earth and that he would appear to over 500 people over the course of a 40-day period of time. It was that important. And Part of the reason I wanted to do this series was to see from a macro level, from a large scale level, from a 40,000 foot view level, how and what God was doing by sending Jesus back during that period of time. But I also hope that you're picking up on the personal nature of Jesus and how intensely and incredibly personal he was. He chose to reveal himself to the person that needed in Thomas to overcome his doubts He needed to appear to Peter who had denied him, and he needed to offer restoration and forgiveness because that's what Peter needed. He needed to reveal himself in that room those days on those nights of dinner uh, with those disciples because they needed to see the nail-scarred hands, and they needed to see that piercing in his side. He needed to reveal himself to the men who walked back to their village of Emmaus Because, man, their world was rocked so much so that they went all the way back to Jerusalem to tell people that they had just seen Jesus. It's an amazing thing to think about the fact that God died. He chose to do that to forgive our sins. And then he rose again and then decided to make a reappearance on earth. Amazing to think about the unusual way in which God reached us. And throughout the course of this, uh, this series, we're taking a look at, at what God was doing. And the one we're going to be taking a look at today shook the foundations of the earth. And I've been kind of walking through this series. We've been walking through the series a bit in a chronological, from a chronological standpoint, except for this one. This is actually the story that took place first. But I wanted to wait and talk about it, and discuss it, and tell you the story today, because it's Mother's Day, and it's a day where we celebrate moms, we celebrate those who serve in the role of a mom, and to be honest with you, we celebrate women, and Jesus changed the culture in the first century of how people looked at women. We just have to be really honest about what was going on during that day and age in the culture, in society, in the world when it comes to women. In that day and age, um, women were just barely above po- uh, property. It pains me to even say that, but it was true. They barely kind of registered above property The people of society, the people of the world during that day, in just about every culture and every known culture during that day and age, really pushed women into the shadows of society. They were disrespected, disregarded, ignored. And women didn't have a strong place in society in general during that day. But Jesus, when he came to this world, he came on a mission to change everything. And one of the things that we see him changing throughout his ministry and throughout his life is the role and the importance that women play not only in our lives, but in terms of eternity, in terms of redemption. Jesus was about this change and elevating women throughout his ministry. He had friends in Bethany, this little village right outside of Jerusalem, where he would go and visit and he would stay. It was a bit of an outpost for him, kind of a place where he um, could rest and work from when he was in Jerusalem. And there was Mary and her uh, sister Martha and their brother Lazarus, who famously Jesus raised from the dead himself. And in that same village was a lady, some people think it was actually Mary of Mary and Martha, who took an alabaster box filled with expensive perfume and broke it over Jesus' feet and anointed his feet with this expensive perfume. And the people that saw it and heard about it mocked her, and Jesus blessed her for it. Jesus saw a woman at the well who had uh, been divorced and he forgave her. He, he encountered another woman who had been caught in adultery and he forgave her of her sins. He used domestic and home-based illustrations which would have been unheard of during the first century to use anything that would have connected with women. It would have been illustrations in general that just would have connected with men. But Jesus knew that the message of the gospel was so much wider than just one gender. It was for all humanity. And so he used illustrations that would have connected with women. And in my favorite story of Jesus um, and women, he healed a woman in the synagogue. He called her out. The women in the synagogue would have sat in the back. They would have taken their place in the back, unfortunately, and the men would have sat up front, and in the front row were the religious, the pious religious leaders, and Jesus calls the crippled woman out and has her come up and, and, and makes, makes a, you know, a, a spectacle of her in this synagogue, but he heals her, and I just have to chuckle deep down in my soul when I think about those religious leaders sitting on the front row. Crying because Jesus completely changed culture as far as it goes with women. And I'm so thankful that he did. And in his most, I think his most tender moment with a woman, it had to do with his mom. Jesus famously speaks seven words or seven phrases from the cross. He's just been taken through a phony trial. He's been accused of things he didn't do. He's arrested, falsely accused, falsely arrested, they beat him they flog him they they sentence him they put a crown of thorns in him they sentence him to a roman execution which was crucifixion and there as he hang hung from the cross he spoke seven phrases that were so incredibly meaningful some of them pointed to god some of them had to do with forgiveness some of them had to do with the fact that it was done and in the midst of those words there jesus in the height, or at the height of his his pain, and at the height of his suffering, he looks out over the crowd, and he sees John, the disciple that he loved, the one who was closest to him, and he sees his mother, Mary, there, probably weeping, probably distraught, and beyond discouraged, and he says, mother, behold your son, behold your mother. And in that moment, the people that witnessed this, that saw it, and Mary and John would have all known that it was, was, one, a glance at Jesus, but it was also an indication that John was going to be the one to take care of his mother because Jesus would soon be gone. He cared so much about his mom that he made sure that when he was gone, that John would take care of her for the rest of her life. Jesus changed everything about the role of women. He enhanced and elevated women in society and in terms of the gospel message. And I love the fact that he does it because it highlights something that Jesus did over and over and over again. Jesus had this tendency to magnify people who were marginalized. Society would make certain people, women in this case, small, and Jesus magnified them. He went against the culture and he said they are just as important, they are equal. In some ways Jesus was the first one to talk about women's rights and women and equality with women. And so we love the fact I love the fact that Jesus does that throughout his ministry and throughout his life. But what I want to take a look at today is that resurrection Sunday, that Easter Sunday, the first people that he makes an appearance to. And we're going to turn to all the Gospels today. We're going to bounce around a lot. There's not going to be one passage you're going to look at. That's why I didn't tell you to turn to a specific one. We're going to bounce around quite a bit in the Gospels and take a look at Jesus' first appearance after he'd come back. Mark chapter 16 is where we'll start. Mark 16, 1 and 2. This is after Jesus had died, when the Sabbath was passed. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James... And Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Now, these ladies were on a mission because it was their job to complete the burial process, to prepare Jesus' body to be buried. And part one or two or whatever it was had happened in the days prior to that, but this was something that they were supposed to do at this point in time. And even on their way, they wondered who would be there to roll the stone away because it took uh, strong uh, men to roll that giant stone away from that tomb. And they were wondering if someone would be there to roll the stone away. Matthew 28 verse 1 records it this way, now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. John 20 verse 11 says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And of course we know what she saw, nothing. He was not there. Mark 16, verses 6 and 7, picking up from uh, where we uh, left off. Uh, And he said to them, this is an angel, by the way, that they encounter, a a young man in in a white robe that they encounter, who's an angel. He said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? And then in verse 7, he gives them an assignment that you'll hear echoed once again in a few minutes. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Imagine these ladies who were in their own right followers of Jesus. By the way, we have this picture of Jesus with his 12 disciples, and for sure that was his inner core but uh, Luke says that there, there were 70 followers of Jesus and there were perhaps even more than that and, and many of them were women and imagine these women as they went to the tomb that day they were probably distraught to begin with they were probably concerned to begin with they were on a mission they had a job to do some of them were type A and they were like we've got to go there we've got to do our job and we've got to get back some of them were dealing with the emotion that they were dealing with and to show up to find the body, the the source of of the mission that they were on, not even there, I can't imagine the shock that they felt in that moment. And say, there they are, distraught already. I'm sure rightly so, uh, having a lot of emotion. And we see Mary weeping here. We see some of the other disciples weeping. And they're shocked, and they're dismayed. And all of a sudden, Things get a little more strange. Check out Mark 16, verses 9 through 11. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he, by the way, this is he, is Jesus, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. We'll come back to that in a moment. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, Mary Magdalene, they would not believe it. Now, there's several things in, in Mark's gospel that happens here that I think is very curious. First and foremost, get this, Jesus decides that the The first human that he was going to appear to after his resurrection is a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. Mark tells us very clearly that she is the one that God chose to witness the resurrected Savior for the first time. The first human in all of human history to see Jesus alive after he was dead was a woman named Mary Magdalene. The Bible tells us that she was possessed by seven demons, that she had seven demons that had controlled her. And my guess is, and most scholars believe, that she probably would have had unbelievable mental, emotional, probably physical, and spiritual issues because of these demons that had controlled her. And she had an encounter with Jesus. And the moment that she had an encounter with Jesus, those demons came out and her life Forever changed. And I love the fact that God decides to show up to someone who's been incredibly broken, who's been changed in a miraculous way by Jesus. Because God knew that if he chose someone else, if he had chosen one of those disciples that were in his inner circle to be the first person that he showed up to, that all they would do is argue about it, and all they would do is brag about it, and all they would do is put it on Facebook that they were the ones that saw Jesus first. Because they had argued about it before, they didn't have Facebook back then, I'm just kidding. But they would, have, they would have argued, it would have been a source of unbelievable pride. They had already argued, who's going to be first? Who's going to be next to you? Who's going to be on your right? And who's going to be on your left? Me, 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 me. And God in his infinite sovereignty and wisdom knew that the one who needed to see him first was the one who had been changed the most, Mary Magdalene. And it's curious also in verse 11, When they had heard that he was alive and they'd been seen by her, they would not believe it. Now, in that day and age, um, women who had witnessed a crime, their testimony was not permitted in court. In fact, their testimony wasn't permitted in court at all. They had very few legal rights rights. Yet Jesus chooses a woman, someone who was on the fringe and in the shadows of society. Yes, he did. He chose it twofold. Number one is because he understood that no one else could have handled this. No one in his inner circle certainly could have handled it. He also wanted the world to see the rise in the value of women during a period of time where they had nothing. Jesus, Jesus cared about women. John chapter 20, 14 through 16. Having said this, she turned around. This is Mary, by the way. She turned around and she saw Jesus standing. That is one of the more humorous uh, aspects of the resurrection and the reappearance of Jesus. She turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And then in verse 15 of John 20, Jesus says to her, woman, Why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. I love that part. Like, hey, this guy's doing a little yard maintenance here around Joseph's tomb. And uh, I'm sure that he's the one that's taking him away. So she begins to accuse him, supposing him to be the gardener. You would have done the same thing, by the way, right? I would have. So anyway, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Mary is like, you know, I've got a job to do. I have to to continue the process of of burial. And if you've taken him, if somebody paid you off, or if you had reason to take his body, let me know where he is, because I've got to finish the job. I need to find my rabbi, who is dead. And then the gardener, who wasn't the gardener, who was Jesus, opens his mouth, and he says to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And I love this picture of her being surprised by Jesus, but I love even more this this picture of him maybe whispering her name. And at the moment that he says her name, it all comes together. I don't know where you are in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you've turned your back on him. Maybe you're looking the other way. Maybe you keep mistaking him for someone else, or maybe you're mistaking someone else for him. And you need for Jesus, God's son, who died for your sins, you need for him in the depth of your soul to whisper your name. And he can You may not hear it audibly, but you may hear it in the quietness of your heart. You may hear your name whispered, and in that moment, you choose to turn back to him. You choose to believe in him because all of a sudden, you've had an encounter with the one who knows your name. He knows your name. Jesus called Her by name. Matthew 28, 8 through 9. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. That's what happens, by the way, sometimes when we encounter Jesus, is we have both that emotion of fear and also of great joy. And he ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them, these women, and he said, Greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet, and they worshipped him see, Jesus, even in his post-resurrection appearance, in appearing to Mary Magdalene as the first human, in appearing to other women who were on the scene during that time, he completely, completely and remarkably changed society. He paid attention to the women first. I love it. Jesus choosing to make his first post-resurrection appearance to women was uncommon it was unthinkable it wouldn't have been done by anyone else other than him and it was remarkable given the climate of the day given society of that day jesus choosing to do this in itself was incredibly hard to understand and then when you consider the women that were talked about, and you consider where they came from and what they had done, it makes it even more remarkable. Luke 8, 2 through 3 gives us a little bit of a glimpse. Check this out. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, the one we talked about earlier, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chuza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. You see, the women that Luke mentions here they are on a wide spectrum of demographics and backgrounds you have Mary Magdalene who probably was the lowest of the low when she encountered Jesus when he cast out those demons she was probably the one that was on the furthest edge of society. And then you have this other one here whose name is Joanna, and she was a woman of great importance. She was a woman who had um, great influence because she was served in, uh, uh, in Herod's, uh, as Herod's household manager. She would have also had great wealth. She would have had great means. And Susanna, tell, it says, they both had great means. See, it was the women who helped fund Jesus' ministry. Does that really surprise you guys that it was the women who were able to save the money, to do the right thing with the money, to fund Jesus' ministry? They played a great role in Jesus' ministry. They played a great role in what he was about to do. But Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't stop there with just encountering and appearing to women first. He took it up a notch, he took it up a few notches. He empowers women to share his message. Take a look at this. Mark 16, verse 7. We read this earlier, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And verse 10, just a few verses later, she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. I want you to take a look at certain words that we've just looked at. The first one is that there's an instruction to go and tell. In Mark 16, verse 10, Mary goes and she goes to those who are mourning and weeping, and she told them about what she had seen. John 20, verses 17 through 18, Jesus, in his own words, says this. Don't cling to me. Remember, when we read in Matthew where they were hanging on and clinging to him. Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but, and you can say this word with me at home. I wish you were here to say it with me in this room, but he, he says this. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. In verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and she, say that next word, she announced, she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I've seen him. And that he had said these things to her She was announcing the good news of Jesus. She was involved in the Great Commission work before Jesus had even given the Great Commission to the disciples. Matthew 28, verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Tell. It's it's all about going and telling or speaking or, or saying these things. It's all about proclaiming. What Jesus was in the midst of doing. Tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you'll see him. uh, See, I have told you so. And the last one is Matthew 28, verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go, he says to these women. And tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. See, Jesus didn't just change the, the viewpoint of culture and society towards women. He didn't just do that. He included them. Not only did he include them, he made them a major, major source of his gospel message spread. Jesus making the choice to empower women to share his message was unconventional, and it was revolutionary. He shook the foundation of the first century as it relates to women. In that century, there would have been no Mother's Day. There would have been no Hallmark cards. There would have been no holiday. That's the way they viewed women. But Jesus understood the role of women. He understood that we all were equal, that, that we may have distinct roles, that we men and women are different. Yes, we are in so many ways, and that we may have distinct roles in the body of Christ and in the family um, and, and in society, but even though we may be different and distinctive, that we are equal in the kingdom of God. My, uh, my mom passed away in 2015. As I mentioned earlier and, and I, I still love mother 's day, but it 's taken on a bit of a a different meaning, a new meaning these last now six years she 's been gone for six mother 's days and it takes on a bit of a, of a new meaning but but my mom she, she was brave like Cynthia and Stephanie were talking about earlier. she was brave my dad 's job was to travel he traveled pretty much every day of the week monday through through uh, friday and and she she was brave because um, she had to deal with me and my sister, my little sister. Uh, she was much worse than I was, just by the way. I just want you to know that. And Katie, if you're listening, you know it's true. Okay, so anyway. But she had to deal with us. She had to deal with the home. She had to deal with when crisis happened, when, uh, when my sister broke her arm in the middle of the night, when, when you know things went bad. Um, she was brave. She had to stand strong when stuff happened. She had to make sure that we were well taken care of when my dad was gone. She was an incredibly brave woman. and I'm so thankful for Susan Cullen. And I'm thankful for her commitment to the gospel. She was so committed to the gospel. She was involved in um, editing the the newer version, the more um, modern English version of of my favorite devotional um, called My Upmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. She was involved in the first rewrite of that in the modern English language back in the late 80s and early 90s. And I love that my mom was involved in that. She was involved with our Christian school and our church. And my mom loved uh, this organization called Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Now, Ravi was a family friend of ours, went to our church. And Ravi's a great man. And um, Ravi and his family got some bad news a few days ago. He has cancer and he got some very very bad news and i want to ask you to be praying for the zacharias family and for robbie zacharias international ministries a ministry that my family's been a part of um, and and supporting and 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 had a huge impact huge impact in the body of christ and in the world especially in the academic world and in the intellectual world as i believe the leading apologist for christianity that's alive today and we can be praying for him and God led me to something very late last night as I was um, just preparing and thinking about this message he was asked a question not too long ago about how God views women because this particular student I believe it was at the University of Kentucky I'll link I'll link it later online on my social media Um, I believe he asked the question what is God's view of women in terms of the spread of the gospel or something to that effect. And part of the reason that this young man was asking this question was because his mother had been turned off by the church's approach to women. And Ravi, in the way that he always does, answered it so incredibly well, so delicately well. And I'm not going to do it justice because I don't have the voice of Ravi Zacharias, nor do I have the mind, but I want to read you what he said. He answered that question this way. He said, if God were a discriminator against gender, the greatest truth on which the gospel hangs is the resurrection. If Christ not be raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. And then Ravi continues and he says, why in heaven's name then did he reveal himself to the women to go and tell the message, the most important aspect of what Jesus had come for and what he was about. All of Easter, Robbie says, hangs on the testimony of womankind with whom he entrusted the entire gospel. And I love that answer that he gave and he continued to give to this young man. Because not only does God value the role of women in society, but he trusted them first with the most important message, the message of redemption. Jesus made it clear that he trusted and he valued the influence that women have in sharing his message with the world. And in our day and age, in our 21st century, Women may have more rights. They may have better legal status. They may have more opportunity. They may have a larger voice. But we have to be honest that the church has largely sat idle during this Me Too movement, during a long period of time, or quite honestly, when we're abused and taken advantage of and victimized. And unfortunately, the church sat idle far too long and I don't believe for a moment that Jesus would have sat idle I believe that Jesus would have been their greatest defender I believe that Jesus would have risen to the occasion in church it's time for us to rise to the occasion to follow the model of Jesus that trusted and valued influence that women have not only in the world but in the most important aspect of what he was doing, and that is just sharing the message of Jesus to the world. I wanna challenge you to do something today on this Mother's Day, in light of what Jesus did, because this starts in our homes. It doesn't just happen, we don't just go in and flip on a switch and everything is all solved, right? It happens in our homes, and let's face it, guys and kids, Um, Those of you who are in a position to have been influenced by a mom or a woman of great reputation, we sometimes have the tendency to go, Mom, I love you. Mom, I'm thankful for you. Mom, I trust you. Mom, I value you. With really not much more description than that. (laughs) So my challenge for you is today at lunch and throughout the rest of today, I want to challenge you to go a little bit deeper with the important women in your life. Whether you're remembering them, like I will today with my mom, whether you're celebrating their life and they're still living, like Sandra, my mother-in-law, or like my wife, Cynthia, who will celebrate this afternoon as an amazing mom to my two kids. We need to let them know why we love them. We need to let them know why we value them, why, We trust them and why they're important in God's kingdom. That's where this begins. It begins in the home as an example to the ones that are coming behind us and coming after us. When the women came to the tomb that day, they had a job to do. Jesus surprised them with a much, much larger job to do and a much bigger role in his kingdom work. Would you pray with me this morning? I'm gonna ask our band and worship team to come on up here this morning. And Father, I just wanna thank you so much for each and every person who's listening, who's watching, who's tuned in today. God, I thank you so much for their involvement, for their connection. God, especially during this very, very difficult time in our history. And God, I thank you for those who are within the sound of my voice right now, as moms and those who serve in the role of a mom. God, I thank you so much for their godly influence, their gospel influence. God, I thank you that you shouted to the world, that you shook the foundation of society in the first century by showing up to Mary Magdalene first. (laughs) You could have showed up to John, could have showed up with Peter, maybe even James, or John could have even shown up to Thomas at first but you didn't choose any one of those 12 you chose Mary Magdalene you chose these women who came to the tomb that day and in doing so God you changed everything and father I pray that we would your church would be people who continue in that who understand the unique roles and the unique differences and Um, the distinctions between men and women, because you want us to understand that as well. But God, I pray that we would be people who always honor and trust and value the roles of our moms, the roles of our daughters, the roles of those young women that we have influence with. God, may we influence them to further your kingdom. (laughs) May we put them on mission just like you did back after Easter those days and hours after he rose again from the dead. Father, we thank you that you are living today. We thank you that you are alive. We thank you for the death on the cross that covered our sin, but we also thank you for resurrection that gives us hope for eternal life when we die. If we put our trust in you, and Father, on this Mother's Day, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.